Welcome to the Nia Jaichuan Podcast. This is a bi-weekly podcast where my friend Jess O'Brien and I discuss internal martial arts, qigong, and meditation. Uh, this week, we finish our discussion of Li Jian Q. We examine his 1919 uh, Xingyi Boxing Manual. We break down the uh, five elements and the Xingyi linking form from his book. Uh, then at the end of the episode, Jess uh, does a short standing and dissolving practice session. Also, check out the Patreon page for our latest interview with Jamie Dibden. And uh, this week, we'll be putting up the second of our five-part Shingy Standing series up on there. So, uh, check that out. Those are for patrons only. All right. Enjoy the episode, and thanks for listening. Welcome to the Neja Trend Podcast with Isaac and Jess. We're back to talk about Li Jian Chu again, one of the teachers of Liu Hongjie and one of the old masters from the turn of the century who was famous for his Xingyi. So last time we spent a little time talking about his history um, and his, especially his experience in uh, the big fight of the uh, 10,000 countries martial arts great competition where his school brother Han Musha defeated the Russian strongman Kang Tier. Um, Because that's kind of the most exciting part of his history is this big fight that happened and that uh, was just echoed through the newspapers of the time. Um, Shortly thereafter, Master Li went on to write a book called The Xingyi Manual. 1920 is when it was published. It's a pretty good book. I think it's one of the better Xingyi books of the time. You've read it, Isaac. What do you think? I think it pretty much is... The closest thing you're going to get to our lineage, you know, just written out from the source, you know, so it's... It's a pretty cool document. It's great. So, uh, Master Li Jian Chu, his uh, life dates are 1881, so 20 years before the Boxer Rebellion. He's 19 for the Boxer Rebellion. And then uh, dies in 1956. That's uh, seven years after the founding of the People's Republic. Yeah, he lived quite a long time. Yeah, he lived well into the 1950s. So I I pulled something out of the beginning of the Xingyi Manual here. Um, Master Li says, In boxing arts nowadays, for those who seek exercise both body and spirit, nothing compares to Xingyi boxing. Tradition has it this method was created by Yue Fei, from whom it spread north and south of the Yellow River. Its method lies in using intent to make the posture and gathering energy into the lower abdomen so that with each movement, the posture and intention are always linked. So posture and intention, that must mean Xing, posture, and Yi, right. intention. That's just describing the name, essentially. So use intent to make the posture and then gather energy into the lower ab- abdomen. So that has that must be the focus on the lower Dantian that's right. popular so, among yeah. Xing Yi people. I think lower abdomen, you know, just as a, another translation of Dantian. And why is that so important to Xing Yi? On a physical level, it's about moving your body as one piece. So that you aren't sort of bobbing your head forward or throwing your hips forward ahead of your punch or behind your punch. So gathering at the Dantian helps create that unity. Right. And sort of a unity of movement, if you will. Right. And then from an energetic level, it's about keeping your mind and your energy down in your body so that you're not like all overly excited and kind of like, you know buzzing up here in your head that you know you keep it in your belly and it keeps you grounded hmm. 
So then the next thing it says is, During the practice of it, there are no occasions of leaping up or rolling around, for it seeks only for practical function and has no interest in being eye candy. And so students will not feel it to be difficult. Right. Well, this is, the, I think, the thing that, you know, uh, about Shingy that it, you know, it isn't pretty, but it works well. Yeah. And its main thing is, you know, function and application, not, you know, doing long, pretty forms that don't have any, you know, direct application to martial arts. That's true. Yeah, it's it's pretty sparse in movement. And he ends by saying, once it's been trained to a deep level, none of the various boxing arts can live up to it. It obtains for you preventing of disease and prolonging of life. It penetrates to the wondrous Tao, truly blending internal and external skills into one. It should be a popular feature in every school. There you go. <laughs> I mean, that, that oh, it sounds pretty good. That blending, you know, thing. I mean, that's what it, the the idea that it's both about physical strength mm. and power, but it's also about getting that physical strength and power to come from your mind you know not some other thing like your emotions or mm. your uh, age <laughs> right you know youth and strength and it, he even mentions the wondrous Tao itself so like Xing Yi is a sort of path to enlightenment perhaps well yeah I mean I think that might be a little bit of a stretch but I, I think <laughs> that's the tie-in with Taoism to give it that sense of you know that if you do this also will help you quiet your mind and become more centered mm, true know, um which is a nice feature in martial arts you know as opposed to making right. you there's an emphasis crazy. on non there's not a whole lot of kiying and shouting and sort of like external bursts of just enthusiasm and sort of emotional strength it's more about being very quiet calm yeah, and then the, and that I mean, well, I think he says at the end, you know, that it's anybody can do it. It's you know, the the, the practitioner doesn't find it difficult. You mm. know, that I think one of the unique things about Ching Yi is that right from the beginning all the way to the very end, you know, you're never doing anything that's really strenuous. Like, I mean, you know, that, that requires a huge amount of physical dexterity. Like, you're not doing... Not really, a lot of flying jumps. Not a lot of jumps. Or cartwheel type you know, stuff. super low squats or mm. high kicks or, you know, spinning or anything like that. Like, most right. of the movements are fairly, you know, simple right. and natural. Especially if you're just talking about the five elements. And um, so I think the idea being that anybody can train these movements, thus gaining this sort of internal skill... And it doesn't, you don't have to be, you know, an athlete or, you know, somehow special, specially gifted to, mm. in any particular way to do it. Yeah, that is a good feature. Um, and, and, you know, and I think he's contrasting it to a lot of the things at the time that were popular were, uh, you know, Wushu was just kind of coming into its own. So there was a lot of performative martial arts. There was also things like, you know, Western sports were becoming, you know, known, Worldwide, yeah. you know, and so like things like basketball and, you know, were, were, you know, coming to China. Right. So they, yeah. It seems like sports and physical culture is coming to China. So these guys are promoting Xing Yi as a way to do it. Right. But, but in a, but saying, you know, we do it actually a little bit better because you don't need to have, 
you know, you can be a, you know, 60 year old grandma and you can practice Xing Still do some Xing yeah. You don't, you know, where you can't play basketball or, you know, tennis or something. All right. So the next one, one of the things I saw here that was cool, I thought we could comment on. As foreigners who live in our country, whenever they see our nation's boxing arts, they cannot help but exclaim their admiration and amazement. Whenever students of these arts exhibit to foreigners, they all marvel at it. Our countrymen look down upon it and consider it not worth learning. But when foreigners see it, they wish to learn it. Boxing arts will never be without value. And this is one piece of evidence to prove it. So he's complaining that Chinese people aren't training enough and these foreigners love it. Right. I mean, I think there's still some sort of truth to that. Yeah, right. I I think Chinese martial arts at this point are probably more popular outside of China than they are in China. Maybe. um, That, you know, yeah. I mean, I think what he's saying is it's like, uh, you know, again, comparing to the popularity of Western sports and, you know, things like that is that, you know, Look at how much these outsiders like what we're doing. How come pe- our own Why aren't people? the rest of you know, into it? And, and impressed by And this it. is 100 years ago. I love it. This is 101 <clears throat> right. years ago. And, it, you know, like I still said. Still a big still, topic, you know? Still a... Moving forward to chapter three, we begin looking at the five elements. So I thought there's a few key notes in here that were pretty cool. First, P-Train. The technique known as chopping goes downward with the palm like the chopping of an axe. He always says the feet go along together, moving in unison. So he's he's using the metaphor of an axe, basically. That's the first first insight. Right. I mean, that's almost every first description of Petrin is, you know, like you're swinging an axe. So any movement of your body that goes from that upward level to a downward level is using that Petrin vector. Right. I mean, it's... I think it, it, the most practical way to think about the different elements and at least in the beginning is just directions right you know so you're saying kitchen is a chop it's from down it's from up to down right right? well the second thing he says here is that during the chopping technique when the step comes out along with the hand uh when the step comes out along with the hand it always involves a small step the hands and feet go together so there's always a step whenever you do p you can't just stand there and do it there's always an advancing Half step. The half step, which is sort of the trademark, mm-hmm. you know, I think of Xing Yi, is right? that everything always has that little bit of a that you know, half step at the end. He teaches Bung Chun as the second one. Sometimes wooden water gets switched. Yeah, uh, Leo Hong Che did it that way too. Oh, yeah. I, I think, think that's so, just, yeah. I think some schools, you some know, some of these guys did it that way. Did yeah. it as, you know, water first, some did it wood first. I think P and Bung make a nice combo, so it is kind of nice to do it second. So Bung Chuan, he says, the idea of crashing is of a mountain collapsing as in a landslide or avalanche. Hmm. So that he's that's that, that Bung Chuan kind of sinks yeah. a little bit, smothers, yeah. Uh, but it's interesting, because avalanche, you think of, you know, earth kind of, but, hmm. but he's giving you that. Just, oh, How do you describe that? I mean, to me, bung is that the feeling of it's a f- force that's coming forward with a downward pressure, right? So you try to stop it and it squishes you into the Smashes ground. Smashes you down As and opposed back. to lifting you up off mm. the ground, right? Um, There's a smothering aspect yeah, as you punch again and again. Squish you down into the floor. And, um, you know, so I think that the calls it crashing right yeah 
So it's that sense of like, you know, like a, like, swim, yeah, almost like, like a wave smothering or, you know, cascade of rocks coming down a mountain. Yeah, I mean, because you can't <laughs> stop a landslide, right? I mean, you put your hand up and it just <laughs> knocks you right you over. You gotta get out of the way. And that's kind of the feeling of bunk train is yep. it just no matter what happens, it just knocks you back. It's that train, train track. Mm-hmm. So the third one, Zwan train, is the water fist. The idea of drilling is to concentrate the power. It's like a hand drilling is like drilling through. So it like tightens and concentrates. Well, and, and what I find interesting is he actually uses the term squeezing hmm. to describe it. Um, which if you t- take the fist of, of its light, he describes it in there somewhere about maybe it's in the, the, the additions part, but like you're squeezing something, right? Hmm. So if you kind of, they grab an orange and squeeze and you, the juice. Just the out way of you it. would sort of twist your hand to squish something. Yeah, is you the, gotta give it a little extra. Which is a little different than the way you squeeze your hand to do bung chen. Mm. It's like more of a flat squeeze with mm-hmm. bung chen. This has a little bit Drilling more. the hand, maybe even the fingers drill a little bit. Right, it has a little bit more of that twisting action. So I just found that to be That's drilling. Inter- interesting. So the next one's pouch on the idea of blasting. He said it's similar to crashing, but it's like a cannon firing. You deflect the opponent's attack high while striking beneath it. A marvelous feature of Xing Yi is that whenever you are attacking opponent, an opponent, you are simultaneously able to protect yourself. During the moment the opponent is attacking, you are defending, you are also able to attack him. So that's the idea of blasting. Yeah, I mean, that he kind of folds in a few different concepts there. But the first part about it being uh, like Bung Chen, but... Mm. It's because in terms of the way it looks, it looks like bong chan, but its uh, flavor, if you will, is a bit different. It's a bit more flicky as opposed to that smothering feeling. It, it like it, it's kind of the quick, you know, snap punch, and you, you barely see the thing coming. It's the like whipping power to it, like, yeah. And so the the upward hand is. You know, blocking something and then pow, that other one comes from right Shoot behind. Shoot that you. baby in there. So it's but little, it's definitely the lower hand is a bung chuan shape. So when they say it's like a cannon, what they're referring to is the um, uh, explosiveness of it and that it goes sort of, you know, from one point to another. Like a cannon shoots out straight, right? So it doesn't, point. It doesn't curve or twist or anything. It's so once that thing launches, it's. You know, it, you could change the angle, but once it once it goes, it's going at that you know, on that line. You know, so it's shooting out, launching it. Then hung chun is the last one. The function of this technique is to not go straight forward, but to go across. Hence, it is called crossing. The elbow should be tightly wrapped in, and the rear fist comes out from under the elbow of the front arm. Remember this. <laughs> so come twist from underneath right, to right. do your hung chun. The other ones go scrape over the top. Right, the others, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 the, all the others you do it over the it's top. It's true, yeah. The, this one is coming under. Hung comes from underneath. Um, yeah, and that's the way it's done in the system for sure. And the crossing thing was also referring to the fact that you're, you know, you're hitting your opponent on the opposite side, right? So I'm hitting them with my right hand on their right side. Right. You know, instead of my right to their Cover left side. Cover sort of a big sweep across. Yeah, sort of. so. A crossing fist, exactly. From there, the books moves on to Lian Huan Chen, the first sort of connected form of Xing Yi. And 
you know, he which goes he, step by step through that. Which he refers to as continuous boxing. He doesn't, continuous boxing. Right? And it's the linking of the five elements. And that way you move continuously from one to the next. Um, and from there he moves on to some more philosophical. So he says, the deeper meaning of Xing Yi is chapter five. The shape means the posture. Posture is external, and it's what people get to see. The intent means the will. Intent is not a shape, for no one gets to see it. Intent controls the hand's shape. Right, and this is the thing about Xingyi being based on your mind and its quote-unquote intent, not on conditioning your body and, you know, reflexes, essentially, that the... the it's not about speed, you know, uh, like sort of hand speed or eye coordination. It's, you know, it's about this, uh, this other thing. Using E. Developing. Your so he intent. says the, the E, the intent controls the hand's shape. So I guess to me, I would sense like a lot of the hands look pretty similar, but the POW version, this look, fist looks a little different than the, the bung fist. Your intent's going to determine that. Right. Rather than doing it with essentially a different kind of tension, right? Like rather than squeezing something to make it, you know, a different hand shape or tensing up something or, or twisting something, he's saying that it's the shape of your mind essentially that determines what your fist does. Right. So like, you know, you're, you're going from the inside out mm-hmm. kind of, as opposed to the outside you know, in. just kind of making it about this sort of external thing. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, it's a very with the hand like that. Yeah, I mean, it's a very esoteric thing, right? But but the idea that you know, how do you make a fist, right? Like, because you can make a fist by you know squeezing and tensing your hand, or you can make a fist sort of the way a baby does, which is by twisting your forearm and closing your joints, which has a very different kind of feel to it. And that's the way, at least I was taught, that's how you do it in Xingyi. That it isn't a gripping with the fingers and sort of, you know, using your finger muscles, but it's this ability to close inside your body and then twist <clears throat> your soft tissue. And that, that twisting is actually what makes the hand, you know, the open hand turn to a fist. And then the way you twist it determines the shape of the fist. So your mind just says, you know, twist it this way. It twists, but you're not tensing up anything or, you know, <clears throat> using any like kind of conscious contraction to do it. It's just you make a slight shape with your mind, essentially. I like how he ends it here. When punching, guide it with your fist. It is nothing less than the power of your whole body. When you wield it, it will gather at the tip of your fist and the power will be fierce and unstoppable. Furthermore, the energy is indomitable and direct. Filling every space, giving you strength of poise and a shining face. So he's talking about chi energy. It's yeah. filling every space, giving you strength, and, and your face is shining. I don't know about the, the shiny face part, but the first part about bringing everything to a point is is sort of a, that's a key thing in Xing Yi, where mm-hmm. the idea is, you know, you're, you're bringing all of that movement of your stepping, your turning, your Daunting. twisting, all of the, the physical movement concentrating into that one fist so that that one fist has the power of your whole body you know the the phrase commonly used is you kick them with your hand right that it's the power of your legs and your body 
But it's in your hand. Your hips and your belly yeah. all just pounds out into so one punch. That's that's one of the sort of... The power will be fierce and unstoppable. Yep. That's what they all say. So another thing I like about Lee Jun Chu's book is he's very dismissive of other martial arts. Here in Chapter 7, we often see practitioners of ordinary boxing arts spinning and leaping. And wherever they kick at opponents, it's nothing more than pretty. This cannot be considered as anything more than a kind of exercise. It's not adequate for fighting. I would be exhausting myself while the opponent takes his ease, endangering myself while the opponent rests in a position of safety. During a fight, if you feel you are already incapable of being stable, why would you then take away one of your feet to kick at an opponent? If you kick and are not balanced, you are sure to lose. It is enough to quietly observe the opponent's actions and gauge how to respond. Why jump around and wear yourself out? Shingi is without these kind of useless actions. Ooh-wee. Yeah, that that I mean I think is a speaks to the sort of approach, you know, that like a lot of martial arts that they, they kind of hop around, you know, and and that's Sport how fighting especially. Yeah, and that's how you're you're trying to find your opening is by, you know, you hop around enough, you find an angle where the person sort of gaps or blinks mm-hmm. or whatever and you can kick them or hit them. Cuz you're already on the move kind of. Yeah. Where Xing Yi's whole thing is, you don't do any of that. You wait for them to do something, and you see the gap in what they're doing, and you exploit that gap, right? So it goes back to the Sun Tzu thing about, you know, my enemy attacks first, but I arrive first, right? Xing Yi always has that thing of, I don't actually take the first punch, but I always land the first punch, right? Hmm. So it's like... That the other person throws the first punch, but you respond and your fist hits them first. But they took the initiative. And that's that's the sort of, I don't know, I think that, <clears throat> you know, the mindset thing of... of that mindset there. That, that uh, unstoppable and sort of aggressive thing of it that, that you know, it's not angry. It's not... Uh, particularly attached to any emotion, but it's, it's this just pure... You know, sort of forward aggression. There's a certain Zen mind to it. Yeah, you're just doing something, and and nothing is going to stop you from doing it, essentially. And there's not much superfluous movement. So when you act, it better be with authority and force and one pointed connectedness. Because yeah. if you're not hopping around, you better when you move, it better count. You know. Right. I mean, it. It. But it's it's the training of seeing the other person's. Uh, weaknesses and gaps rather than trying to make like fake the other person out would be the way we would say it now right you jump around you throw some right. you know, fake punches in the right. person Ooh, some of the and, things, yeah. and like you said Shingy has none of that it's a different approach yeah it's just you know, not what so it does so he speaks to that again he says uh, Shingy's not like other martial arts where you take turns punching and you know going back and forth attack is defense and defense is <clears> attack <throat> a single technique contains both functions but how shall we discuss this let's take the example of the chopping technique so I like here he has the opponent attacks with the left fist regardless of whether his fist is high or low I simply advance perform a right chopping technique I parry his arm, thereby guarding myself, and at the same time, I merely advance, my arm doing a scrape along his arm and going forward. So he just describes basically whatever the other guy does, he chops down with Pichen and advances, and that arm becomes both a defense and an attack. That's pretty much how Shingi operates. I mean, you're, I mean, it's it's so simple, but you know, in terms of the actual technique. But the hard part is the mind stuff, you know, mm. is the not flinching, not gapping out, 
not you know kind of half doing the chop and then sort of pulling away from mm. it but you know just having the the or lunging recklessly you know <clears throat> and topple forward yeah just it's just having the awareness of there's my uh, you know there's my opening i move i take my shot and you know whatever see, happens happens then, but you yeah, take then, the next shot then you see what happens when you go from there so the next chapter is part 10 fighting principles um punch is heavy and vigorous Leading, leaving the hand loose, then contra- contracting with a completed fist. When making the fist, I should roll up tight to grasp the energy. So he says that the punching's heavy, but you start with your hand loose, and then the moment you touch, boom, it becomes firm. Right. The idea is that you don't put the power in your hand until the last, until you make contact, essentially. Mm. Right. That, that while your hand is just in the air, there's no reason to tense it up. Right, like there's no, or not even tense it up. There's no reason to do really anything with it. It's just until you make it, contact. It's just waiting there for to make contact. And once you make contact, that's when you do the twisting and the, you know the stuff. That, so that lets your hands be fairly loose when you're defending and seeking an opening. But then when you touch, then is when you just yeah, not just your hands. It's your whole body. It's, it, it's the idea that you know when you when your hand is just out there. I mean, Bruce frequently referred to it as a doggy paw. Right, that you're just your hand is just out there relaxed like a dog's paw just waiting and then once it catches something then you know you put your fill it up you, you put something in it and you do a technique but you know this idea that if you put the the intent in your hand of a particular technique before the other person does anything they're going to pick up on what you're doing and they're going to be able to read what you're doing mm-hmm. um so i like the you know the idea of that, you know, basically, if I don't know what I'm going to do next, how can you know what I'm going to do? Whereas the opposite would be, like, say, a young guy's just starting to spar. Sometimes you'll find, close your eyes and lunge forward and punch as hard as you can. That's the, that's that, the opposite of using even if your you don't close your eyes, space. You even know? if you don't close your eyes, but you're just, your, your, your mind is well just so focused on that that you're not able to see anything else. The Shingy idea is to keep that Zen feeling of no matter what's happening, just stay awake to what's happening right now rather than what could happen yeah and you're exploiting the other person's gaps because you know the idea is that once you understand sort of how these gaps in intent work um you start to you know as yours gets smaller every you know the other people's get bigger and so you're it's almost like they're moving in slow motion because even though they're moving quickly their mind isn't there so it's like you know you have all the time in the world to react and it just works on a very different kind of level than most people are used to because you know it's, it's the idea of the speed of your mind is very different than the speed of your you know point a to point b hand movement right i mean your mind yeah. is almost harder to train than your physical body it might be well, easier just to train I, your body. I mean i think you know hard is a relative term i mean i think it's definitely going to take longer to do it you know i mean i don't know if it's it's not physically any no, harder no, but, but, but yeah i mean the amount to, of effort to put into it to develop know. yeah i mean that's always the thing now i mean internal martial arts kind of as a rule go for the idea that this is going to take you longer to get but once you get it it's going to uh prolong your life not shorten it right mm. so the idea that you know the reason you spend so long doing all this internal stuff to get good at martial arts 
so that then when you finally get good at martial arts, you aren't blowing off all of your chi and all of your power on that, but you're actually gaining more power mm. and more chi from it, and you live longer and you get healthier. That's the concept, anyway. and that's the. I mean, that the you know one of the things that Bruce said early on that really drew me to Shingy was he said that you know when he was in China looking for old guys that were good, you know he said one of the things he found was that you know the Shingy guys were the strongest, the longest, right? They didn't necessarily live the longest, right? Like Tai Chi guys might live mm. longer, but they weren't powerful. The Shingy mm. guys, you know, up until the day they died, had the juice, mm. you know, as he put it, right? And so it was this thing of the, the power kind of maintained all the way mm. through as opposed to on, just yeah. kind of transitioning into health right right right. right. you could keep doing martial arts longer yeah and i think that that's sort of you know one of the things about the you know it's the probably the emphasis on the standing stuff that Mm. gives it that keeps your legs strong yeah i mean but i think a lot of blood circulation yeah i just think a lot of that sort of you know when your focus is on these other things you know these like relaxing and opening up your body just the byproduct of that is health and you know, these guys weren't necessarily doing it originally for their health but they found that hey you know if it keeps you healthy longer then you can fight into your you know right 40s and 50s opposed to your you know 20s and 30s right, right. which is good if you're an officer in a you know keep these young army. bucks from taking yeah. over well especially if the young bucks you know again back to what i said earlier about you know the idea that uh, to get promoted, you had to take out your superior officer, right? So if you're a shingy guy doing your shingy and you're an officer and this this young guy is doing some other thing and he wants to take you out, you know, you better be on your toes and keep up your craft, right? Right. Okay. So, but know, you that, can't use your own strength to overcome it. You're older. So right. But you're, yeah, exactly. That'll be wiser. So it was a different approach. So it was a little more punching advice here. Punch from the center, putting the power of your whole body into your hand. Your hand acts through your mind, and your mind acts through your hand. Advance with the body and step, so that in each step and punch, when one part moves, all parts move along with it. Hmm, there's the phrase, right? <laughs> right. I mean, that's, that that's is... That's unifo- the, there's unity, unification, connectedness is always implied in that. I mean, you know, there's only about four phrases that Bruce, you know, really makes you, kind of drills into you. Uh... You know, that's one of them is just the, the idea that, you know, if, if one thing moves, everything moves. You know, it's like... And that helps it all link together it's again? Just, it's, well, it's that integrated movement, right? The idea that uh, the body is stronger if it's connected as one piece, right? Mm. So a bunch of disconnected pieces, you know, the, the hit's only as strong as that one piece. If you can integrate the whole body, all of the hits are the same, you know, it's like if I hit you with my hand, it's the same as if I hit you with my foot or right. know, my hip or my it's shoulder. the whole way behind elbow, it. Right. So again, he teach, one last paragraph just before we come to the end of this. Regardless of what kind of attack, then he lists the attacks, be it lifting up, pressing down, scraping, spinning, slashing, thrusting, hatcheting, elbowing, shouldering, striking with the hip, headbutting. Or whether it is done while advancing or retreating with the front hand and foot at the same time, the front hand and foot opposite, whether it be forward or back, left or right, up or down, all types of attacks should all flow continuously one after the other. (laughs) 
from posture I mean, to posture. Well, that's the from posture to posture. The internal energy is unbroken, right? The the idea of Shingi is that you don't do one technique, stop, do another technique. That one technique immediately flows into the Just next. Just pull thing. back from the first, releases the, your next yeah, one. Yeah, it's the circularity of it. I mean, all, all Shingi techniques on some level are a circle, and so you just get the idea that as that circle, you know, it's why it frequently is sort of uh, compared to a train, you know, that's like rolling along. Or a ball on a steel yeah, track. Exactly, <laughs> and and, and uh, the idea that, you know, the, the shape of the thing can change as it rolls, but it's still going to just that keep, momentum just keep going forward and smashing whatever it encounters, you know. It's true, each technique is designed to be the prelude to the next technique. So it's not like it cocks back. As you drill and you chop with P, next is bung, and the drill comes right off I that. Mean, so they're just... Yeah, they all flow. I mean, really, like, you can yeah. you can mix them a million different ways. Is they all... there's You know, you can flow from any of those five to any of the others. And, you know, that's what makes the animal forms and things like that. But but just that basic principle of you don't have a, a start and stop to every technique. But that you have this idea that... All the techniques are just a continuation of this circling motion that you're making. Well, that was a lot of fun. There's a lot right. to learn from Master Lee's book. Yeah, I mean, that was a really uh, deep dive into his uh, Shingy book there, but that was it's good. I think Master, you know, this, there's some really good quotes in this book. So I think if anyone wants to go to Brandon Translation page just google brennan yeah, translations and there's a lot of good stuff on yeah there. it's a great website great resource to look at the mind of this early 20th century internal martial arts in china it's pretty amazing stuff all right yes well talk to you soon bro take care all right so we'll move on now to the negung portion of our podcast so start by standing in a normal relaxed stance and we'll do uh, uh some of the dissolving practices Start by standing straight up with your head rising and your feet connected to the ground. And once you feel nice, you know, nice and calm and sort of connected, you go ahead and begin dissolving from above the top of your head and work your way down. So just letting your mind drift through, starting with the top of the head and at your own pace, you know, work your way down, going through that dissolving process and letting go of whatever you come across. And so you start with working your way down from your head and through your face and the back of your head and down the sides of your head and then down into your neck and your throat and then just let that awareness spread out into your shoulders. Just keep bringing that soft dissolving awareness and letting go of whatever's there. And then down into the armpits and chest and your shoulder blades through your back and whatever tension you run across you just let that dissolve a little bit and keep the flow going at a pretty rapid pace and keep working through the mid body and then eventually flow down into your lower belly and torso lower back all the organs of your body and now you can feel sort of the weight of your upper body starting to press down into your feet. And let your mind keep drifting down, dissolving all the way to the lower Dantian. And just pause there for a second and let everything just keep dropping. Keep Get that feeling of that weight to follow through your legs without getting stuck anywhere.
So if you've got to maneuver your feet, you know, shift your legs or your weight slightly to get more comfortable, go ahead. And then continue dissolving down through the legs, the knees, and drifting down yet further through the calves and the shins to the feet, and the ankles, and then down into your, uh, you know, the top surface of your feet, the mid interior, the bones of the feet, then work your way down into the very bottom of your feet where the skin of your feet push against your socks or your shoes or the floor or something like that. And now that's where all the weight of your body is sinking down into that area so you can feel a little bit of that pressure while keeping the top of your head rising, of course, just to keep yourself nice and stretched out. And so you let that keep sinking for a while. And ideally, let your mind go a little further than your feet. Sort of feel beyond your shoe into the floor. And down into the dirt below. Get a real root connection. You know, you don't have to like push yourself down. But just let yourself settle down and sink ever deeper into the ground a little bit. And feel that weight through the bottom of your feet. Now when your mind goes beyond your feet down. This is external dissolving. Where you're dissolving beyond yourself. So you dissolve a little bit underneath your feet. And as far as you can feel, apply that same sense of letting go of any kind of stress or tightness. And so now your mind is sort of down there below your feet. And then finally let your mind just drift back down again. And from there you can just begin the process again. And go ahead and dissolve your whole way all the way through. And each time end by dissolving downward again. Hey folks, Isaac here. Uh... Again, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, Check out the Instagram and the Patreon for more content. Uh, Like and subscribe. Tell a friend and take care of yourself.